0: For more than 20 years, Bill Nye has inspired legions of fans with an empowering message. The combination of scientific curiosity and human ingenuity can transform obstacles into opportunities and unlock a future of endless possibilities. Now, in Unstoppable, Bill Nye applies his message of technological optimism to one of the most serious challenges facing our species, climate change. With a scientist's righteous understanding of how things are and an engineer's vision of how things could be, he completely reframes the issues of today's environmental crisis and views it not as the end of progress, but as an opportunity for a tremendous new beginning, a moment for a society to rethink the way we live and to create a cleaner, healthier, smarter world. We need not remain shackled to the efficient technologies of the industrial revolution. We need not accept pollution and environmental ruin as the inevitable cost of the vibrant economy. Above all, we need not leave our children a planet that is depleted and overheated. The urgent task here is not saving the earth, it's saving the earth for us, for humanity. We can do it, but the moment to begin is now. When you are finished reading Unstoppable, you will be enlightened and inspired. You will see a new path forward. You will be ready to join Bill Nye and change the world. Unstoppable, harnessing science to change the world by Bill Nye. Book Bash! Welcome to our book club podcast, where we pick a book to read each month that we then review. The best part is, you can join our book club! Just read the book with us and give your own feedback on the book and our reviews in the comments below. Be warned, if you haven't read the book and you want to listen to the show anyway, there will be spoilers. We choose the book for the next episode at the end of this one. I hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. back to Book Bash. This is our third episode. I hope you've been playing along with us the whole time. And if you're new to it today, welcome. And I hope you've had a good month. I know I have. How about you, Garner? Did you have a pretty good month?
1: Yeah. it's Yeah, it's, it's been pretty good, actually. I had uh, an interesting experience learning some trigonometry this month. I think I shared it with you. What oh, I, yeah, yeah. Reference to sacred tablets. Uh-huh. Yeah, that... That was, that was the moment for me.
0: Okay. You've had a pretty good time, Max?
2: Yep, I've been good.
0: Awesome. Well, I say we dive into it.
1: Yeah, so you referenced this book. You were, the, you were the one did. who said, let's do it. So why did you choose this book?
0: I chose this book, one, partly because I have been a fan of Bill Nye as a kid. Growing up, watching his show, Bill Nye the Science Guy. If you're too young audience to know what that show is... I'd say go look it up. It's on Netflix right now. It's it's zany and totally nineties weird, but it was pretty good for like teaching kids just some basic elementary science.
1: Is it actually on Netflix? It, it is.
0: I actually been watching it with my son a little bit, and he's been into it.
1: I, I have to say, you know, I might actually watch it again. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a little weird, and, and, but. But for what it's worth, if you've never watched any like
2: Bill Nye, Alex, you watched it, right? I watched a lot of Bill Nye. Actually, one of the things that I liked about this book is he starts the book with what the host has to do for Bill Nye. And that was pretty insightful. It's a lot of you have to be yourself and you have to make learning fun. That's the fun part comes first and the learning part comes second.
0: And then later in my adult life, I actually, um, I guess you could say rediscovered an appreciation for Bill Nye Um, through his uh, Instagram feed, no less. Yeah, the guy's on Instagram and posts fairly regularly, Um, usually like when he's going to media events or when he's working on special projects, like either with space programs or um, some environmental studies programs, and it's pretty cool.
1: No, he's got a YouTube called Big Think... Yeah. Yeah, I've watched a few of his things there. I have to say though, him like trying to explain an idea in like less than ten minutes. Yeah. Um usually his he just kind of, like, circles the question a few times and goes, You can do it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty It's pretty out there. I actually really like Bill Nye. So you pretty much are like, Hey, I like him. I'm watching him with, um... Yeah, and,
0: and I'd recently gotten into Audible, and they run some ads on their main pages sometime, and one of them that came up was that Bill Nye was doing a new book available for pre-order. And I didn't order it then, but I put it on a wish list... And the thought that maybe one day I would bring it to our book club table. And fortunately for you, audience, that was last month. Okay. So you've gotten to join us, hopefully, in reading this. And uh, and now we get to uh, talk about
1: it. We're, we're going we're gonna to tear it apart.
0: Yeah. We're going to give Bill Nye a what for. Actually, you know. I'll uh, send this episode to his Twitter account.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Alex, you brought up something about his little manifesto at the beginning. One of the things that's interesting is just, like, the manifesto is actually very specific. Like, it said things like, there he couldn't have any, like, a way-back time machine, or, like, he couldn't teleport to places. Everything had to be done in a, th- in a way that could actually happen. That's yeah. Real
2: science. Like, a real okay. science way.
1: And I was like, what? Like, why would it, you know, like, for a TV show... You know, it was interesting just how specific he was. He didn't want anyone buying into this kind of wackiness. To me, lackiness.
0: it's funny. To me, it made some sense, you know, raising a kid. Um, I've watched a lot of cartoon shows with Isaiah. And one that's been actually rebooted recently is Mr. Peabody. Because DreamWorks did their big, stupid 3D film, which wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. And they thought, let's make a TV show that's equally not as good. Huh. And, um, and... They picked up on a lot of the tropes from the original one, which was like, go visit an event in history and then totally not tell you anything factual. And so it's just like, there's a name and a place, and as far as the kid watching the show is aware, they've learned nothing. Gotcha.
1: (laughs) So they just... Yeah, you know, he just had like a method to the madness just to make sure that you actually pick up something from it. So... I mean, for what it's worth, if listening to this book, it's almost like a refresher on a lot of science. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, some of the stuff this guy's going on about, like, I mean, I'm going to talk about it later, but I'm just going to briefly mention it now, is like this, uh, he goes on about albedo effects. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? And and I remember I had to pause it, and I'd be like, what the heck is an albedo effect? like, what is it going (laughs) on about? (laughs) Right? But he actually. But Bill know, had your back. <laughs> he did, right? Like, I actually paused it to go look it up. And then, like, when I re listened to it, when I turned it back on, he, he explained it. And I was like, oh, yeah. Right, because Bill <laughs> is a science teacher. So it was really funny.
0: Yeah. Um, it's funny when you bring that up, but I had a hard time trying to figure out, like, what his target demographic might have been for this book. Because there was, like, a lot of explanations of entry-level science knowledge. And then later he's, like, describing the numerical differences between ice- radioactive isotopes. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I'm just like, well, so who's your target here, Bill? Who are you trying to reach out to?
2: That's one of the things that I liked about the book, kind of to jump into that section of our doc was he does cover so much. Like, yeah. it's technically a book about climate change but it's more a book about what we can do about everything and he covers everything from the economic side of it to the cultural side to the science side he really goes in depth on a lot of things and how we can make some of these things work.
1: There's some pretty wild ideas that he's thrown around too. Oh yeah. yeah. Like He's talking about he had some idea about putting foam in the in the to to desalinate yeah all the water and like creating like this weird um it was essentially like the way he described it it was like a chemical process to desalinate all of the water and i'm like what (laughs) like how are you gonna do this and he's talking about like these foam bubbles and stuff and so it really was this it was a really interesting book because it's it's trying to tackle all kinds of things just like you're saying alex like he even he even goes on about food for a little while about like how much you know joules of energy it takes to produce so much food and uh-huh. all the food comes from sun and then how much energy it takes for a human to you know survive and how that's all spread out. I thought it, I thought it was pretty interesting. So Alex started by saying she liked the book because it was had this broad appeal. Mm-hmm. So what you like about the book, Josh?
0: So I liked the book. Um, I I definitely appreciated the sort of the detail, you know. Like while while I say that I had a difficult time determining the demographic, I did appreciate that he would go through some of these, um, either the problems or the proposed uh, solutions, kind of step by step through their processes, explaining. The basic sciences from start to finish, um, the whole idea. I also liked how he would look at the cost benefits of all idea. While everything was approached like the the cover sleeve says, you know, from a very optimistic perspective, and and Bill Nye is clearly a better optimist than I.
1: Oh yeah, this guy's (laughs) hardcore. He's just like, we should just do it.
0: Yeah, but he w- he was not afraid to shy away from being like this idea has problems because of this, or or this might be infeasible because of of these setbacks, you know.
1: Yeah, it, it's really funny because he he never ever shied away from that. So like, there's a part in a book where he's talking about how you know I guess in theory we could put a giant laser beam into space. <laughs> yeah. That will beam energy down to an antenna on Earth. And one of the things he cited as a problem with that is just the environmental paperwork alone would fill a warehouse. <laughs> I, he's just like, you know, actually, this would just be like a regulation nightmare. Maybe we should just, you know, find a better way to get energy. But he still put it out there. He still, yeah. you know, he still floated this idea. So. It was it was pretty pretty crazy.
0: So yeah, in general, I really liked the, the sort of depth and details that he would explore um, ideas from both the problem and the proposal solution side. Even when it went came to like what he was actually doing in his home to make differences, he went through it very detailedly without
1: it being terribly dry. Actually, I mean it was. I mean, like, he, he would, you know, you're talking about the home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would go on about, like, how he's remodeling his home and the specific plans he had. And then the steps he took and maybe, he even kind of hinted at the cost. Like, he said just to put the solar panels on his home, it cost almost as much as it would take to put a swimming pool in his backyard. Yeah. Like, it was just pretty specific. It was pretty neat.
2: And you mentioned how he wasn't dry about it, and that's another thing that I really like about the book. It was very much Bill Nye. He even like makes little jabs at taxes sometimes. So
0: many puns. Or, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there
2: were so many puns. It was comical throughout. Even though it was this broad-range, super scientific matter, it was still very relatable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he, he made some pretty funny jokes. Uh, there was or, still... Go ahead.
2: Uh, talking about his home, he's keeping up with the Begsleys instead mm. of keeping up with yeah. the Joneses. He has yeah. this informal competition with an environmentalist on how environmentally good their home was. So
1: he goes down on that guy. One of the things is he's sort of self-deprecating, but at the same time being like egotistical. Mm-hmm. Like, especially near the end of the book, like he keeps mentioning that he's the CEO of the Planetary Society.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's just like After a while, it becomes like self-referential. It's just like, and by the way, the CEO came up with that idea. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he keeps making this stab. He he wouldn't let it go. I thought it was great.
2: Well, a lot of his chapters do have, if you've listened along this far, I think you were talking about who's the demographic. I think a lot of it is... It's kind of a book to pick and choose from. You can read it all the way through, but a lot of people will just pick, "Well, I want to know about solar power, so I'm going to read this couple chapters." Yeah, I
0: think there's even one chapter like towards the late middle that he was like, "You know, this is going to get really technical. If you're just here for as, like a casual reader, you can skip this one." Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? uh-huh. <laughs> And so eventually, I did agree that I would agree with you that the demo was probably just really broad sweeping. He was trying to kit, reach as many people as he could, and considering his um, sort of aim with this book,
1: I think it was probably his best call. Yeah, that was actually one of the parts that I felt was a little off kilter, though. Like, so his message in the book, his stated message is the book's a bit about climate change and how we ought to do something about it, how Earth is our home, mm-hmm. and we should treat it like a homeowner would, where we, you know, take care of it, right? Make sure that it's a nice-looking home, one that we would want to live in, and not treat Earth like it's a transient place that we can abandon. Right. And um, so so these this, this is, like, his message. And then, I guess, like, uh, I guess his fourth part is that And we can do something about it, and then the whole book is like essentially a laundry list of solutions with with the problems. Uh But one of the things I felt was a little off about it is it kind of, it sort of meanders around that point um, quite a bit. It doesn't quite say, okay, you know, for a book that's trying to get people to have like a call to action, it felt really... It felt like oh like so Bill what do you what do you want me to do do you want me to write my senator is that what you want me to do I totally agree is um if I was to then move
0: yeah uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably cover this actually in what I didn't like about the book mm-hmm. um and that was basically that at the end of the book I felt like okay but I don't own a home what yeah. do I do you know I'm. How how does the little guy help? Because I'll tell you what, a lot of us in America are the little guys. In fact, the most of us are the little guys. And if we're going to do something about it, I can't put solar panels on my apartment. (laughs) You know? Yeah.
2: And see, I kind of disagree. I think that his point was, or his call to action, was that we need to start thinking about it. We need to stop the deniers. We need to realize that climate change is happening. And while a lot of the book is how to fix it a lot of it is also just admitting the problem realizing that it's not going away it's not just that the climate's changing because yes it's done that before but it, the rate at which is changing and we need to start thinking about things that we can do you know even if you're just a little guy and you live in an apartment you can fix your transportation situation you can fix where you get your food from, you can fix... You can start going to college and thinking about bigger ideas to solve it. Or not going to college and thinking about bigger ideas to solve it. It's just thinking about the problem.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely will agree that that was a large part of it. But I, I still kind of felt at the end, like... That the, the, I felt like I needed something a little more... Um... I guess uh, I'm struggling to find the right words for this, but I just felt like there was something more I, I could do, but I didn't know what it is. Just a little more As, tangible. Yeah, something a little more tangible. That's the that's the word.
1: Yeah, there like I definitely know what he's trying to say, and I definitely get like his message, but at the same time, I didn't feel like Bill was, you know, like in, in many ways, it was like what's this book. Because you're talking about the demographic. I I sometimes was like, is this book for Arnold Schwarzenegger? Is this book for, like, the governor of Nevada? Mm -hmm. You know, is this for, you know, a U.S. senator? Like, it doesn't sound like it's written for me. It sounds like it's either written for a 10-year-old kid who's later become a material scientist who's going to save the world. Or it's going to become, you know, or it's written for President Obama. (laughs) Right? And if we are anyone in between... You know, GTFO. Yeah. And, you know, that's what it felt like. It's like either you're going to save the world. Like, does General Motors CEO I need to read this? Yeah, is it for him? So I guess that's my complaint or, or, or the, like, my feeling where it felt just weird is from like a person who, you know, like, like he, there's a part, there's a very telling part in his book and he just says it very bravely. But he ran a project where he did a garden and he said it cost him a few hundred dollars a month. Yeah. To do his garden And and then he scrapped it right Because you know he had a better idea And I was like hold up Bill Most of us can't put a few hundred dollars Into any garden Right, right? No one does that like, you got to be very wealthy So maybe
2: off. we should Maybe we should stop buying fuel cars Stop paying all that money in gas And carbon emissions Maybe we should start thinking about things That we can do in our home To do stuff like that
1: yeah, I mean, I, I think I think I might be fine with that, but I th- my my problem is is that let's say s- someone did that and they just you know lit their car on fire, and so now they have a few hundred extra dollars a month. You know, what are they going to save it up so that they can eventually you know get some solar panels on their roof? Yeah, I don't know.
0: I do feel like there was um, a fair part of this book that was kind of Bill trying to say, you know. So, Because there were some proposals that he had on projects that were theoretical and he was like, you know, we need we just need more research in these departments maybe you're the guy to do it. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, no, I'm not personally because I'm a single father who's just struggling to get by and I don't have time or the money to go to college to then get the grants to research these projects. However, I feel like there is sort of like an implied message in the book that's like You know, maybe you just need to try to be looking for solutions. You know, maybe I didn't talk about it. Maybe it's not here, but we just need to look for better ways to do things. But I don't feel like that point was quite driven home.
2: I think it was earlier in the book where he talks about some of the social aspects of things like talking about nuclear power. Nuclear power would be great, but people are wary of it because... Of various reasons, oh, yeah. and it's it's changing that social aspect. It's giving people the information and letting them understand that there are less deaths from nuclear power plants than there are from coal emissions.
0: Oh yeah, the more heated arguments I have with my mother are usually about um, uh, like pesticides. Sure. Because she's um, for one, she's way believes in organic. Um, being better than than not organic, and is incredibly distrustful of Monsanto, and for some pretty reasonable
1: reasons. Sure, Monsanto is just about, like, the company of evil. Yeah. I I was
2: really surprised when Bill Nye actually endorsed them, kind of. I was like, I don't know about that.
0: Yeah, their their business (laughs) uh, ethics are, like, abominable. But, um... But the field of research alone shouldn't just be discarded because one big company is doing it bad. Mm -hmm. And that is the contention point I end up fighting with my mom because she just gets this general bias because those who are in control of it now are doing it wrong.
1: Well, I mean... you know, let's just talk about something that he brings up in a book. People don't like things that they don't get to know about, like mm-hmm. how it works. Like with these nude plants, the government's real secretive about how they work and yeah. where the material goes and all this stuff. They're pretty secretive for safety reasons, right? And Monsanto's pretty secretive about their secret formula because, yep. well, you know, that's how they make money. Right. But the people don't like you know something secret like that yeah right? they would prefer something that felt a little bit more upfront
0: and i totally agree with that bill mentions that you know for nuclear power to be better a more open um management system you know for the public is like something that really needs to happen you know no more of this what do we do with depleted uranium i'm not gonna tell you, <laughs> you know?
1: yeah. I really love that aspect of the book. You know, we talked about it earlier, but just how he would often bring up like what hurdle needs to be overcome to get something together. You know, like just even various technologies. One of the things he talked about a little bit was um, they really spoke to me and which also made me simultaneously very sad is uh-oh. that... Huh? listen said, uh-oh. Yeah. yeah I mean, it was, it was uh, unfortunate in like... 2006 or so i wrote a paper in my environmental science class about fuel cells you know batteries uh-huh. getting power from hydrogen and i wrote a paper about it and then to listen to him talk about how we need better storage stuff i was just like yeah actually you know it, it's been 10 years what's going on with these fuel cells right and uh you know what was interesting about it is so fuel cells were actually brought up in President Bush of all people in uh-huh. his State of the Union address way back in 2003 like he was like we're doing it I'm <laughs> doing subsidies for it uh, you know so but it really still hasn't gone anywhere I mean they've gotten like a little lighter they've gotten a little better um, there's a lot better understanding we have with fuel cells now in uh all, co- all sorts of activities and, and, and functions, but they're still not good enough. They're too okay. heavy, they require too much precious metals, namely platinum. Yeah. And, and, he, and Bill Nye, I, I love this because I actually read, I mean, I wrote a paper on it, and he even talked about how one, how the platinum eventually becomes used up. Mm-hmm. Right? It sucks in all, the, uh, it becomes a different form of platinum after it takes in all these uh, ions. Yeah. I'm having a brain fart here. (laughs) Read the book, people. (laughs) Right? But, you know, it'll take in these ions and it will become, it will make a sort of process on how it generates electricity will be done. And so then you have this really expensive metal that you need to use to do it. And so that hurdle is so hard to overcome. You know, it's been a decade. It's been a decade since I was, you know, I was a young man and I was like, we're going to do it with fuel cells. And even old President Bush said that we are going to do it. Fuel cells. We're ten years later, and it's not happening. Right. And so that that aspect was a little like, kind of a downer. <laughs> it was a downer. I was like, oh man, it, it didn't work.
2: But he also goes over that some too. With we're not going to start thinking about these until our current situation gets bad enough that we need a more economical situation, or mm-hmm. we need a a cheaper way to do it. You know, if we start subsidizing, or if we start. Taxing or putting a fee on carbon emissions, then we're going to be more willing to put something into something that doesn't cause carbon emissions.
1: Yeah, I like that too. By the way, how he said um, one of the things you talked about is how you can indirectly subsidize something, even if it's not directly subsidized. Yeah. So, like, you know, you talk about these oil fields. It's like you know, we park armies next to these things. Uh-huh. It costs money. Oh uh-huh, yeah. Lots of money to make sure that the oil gets here safely. And uh, I was like, yeah, actually, you know, that's a huge subsidy Uh to make sure that pipeline's safe. And uh, if we factored in that cost, um, you know, maybe these other, you know, these other things would look a lot cheaper. Yeah, definitely. So, did we cover what you liked about the book, Gunner? Mmm. No. But I... I think it's fairly apparent. I'm really into, like, the science side of it. You know, he gets very technical. He... Uh, I was talking to Alex about this before we started the book. And, uh... Yeah, I, I hate to admit it, but every time I listen to some guy try to explain how they get electricity from a coil with some magnets... Yeah. Like, that just, like, reflects off me. <laughs> I'm like... Like, even Bill Nye is like, oh, yeah, it's easy, man. Like, it isn't as no duh. We just We just have the coil and we charge it up and then we use a magnet and then we pull the electrons from it and then wham bam electricity and I'm like no I don't think that's how it works I think you're (laughs) skipping a step here but you know what like every time I listen to someone explain like just the basics of electricity they always do it like that like it's real matter of factly so I'm really into that sort of technical thing so he does that a lot in the book even though he he uh, he ribbed me many times, spoke, speaking directly <laughs> to me, man. He actually mentions libertarians specifically many times. Uh-huh. It's actually really interesting about that, actually, because sometimes he seemed really well-informed about like the positions, and other times it was like, come on, Bill. What are you going on about here? It was actually, it was actually really interesting to me that he brought up uh, Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. All right, so Schwarzenegger's like a conservative. Yes. Right. Um, but then he's just like, oh yeah, but Sh- Schwarzenegger's, you know, in favor of these environmental programs too. And I was just like, yeah, so you know, there's libertarians out there who would be as well. We don't just all hate it, buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like in your own book, you're like pointing <laughs> out the dudes who don't hate it, right? Like, come on, man. Yeah. But I, you know, so I guess what I liked about it is that he's very technical.
0: Okay. And uh, you, Alex, did you
1: cover that? Yep. Yep. Ooh, okay.
2: The wide range of everything we talked about.
1: Yeah. yeah. The, the, the broad strokes.
0: And so I know I mentioned briefly some of my uh, my dislike. Um, just sort of feeling a little bit aimless at the end as far as what I want to do. Because I, I definitely agree. You know, the, nope. If it's not obvious, I definitely think climate change is a problem and would love to be doing some more about it than I currently am. But, while the book offered a lot of good information, it didn't leave me feeling like it had a lot of good, uh, direction as far as where to go now. Mm. And, um, and so, I might, I might just have to do the research myself, I guess. Stop waiting for somebody to do it for me. <laughs> yeah,
1: kind of that's you know sailor like hey you yeah. can't just you know hang out. It, pretty much it was part of his book is like how you can't just do nothing. Like he makes this analogy in the beginning of the book where it's just like if your house is on fire,
0: yeah,
1: you don't you don't like sit there and debate it, you know, <laughs> you don't think about like the cost benefit analysis. Like you have to put out the fire now, right? Like, you know, otherwise your house is going to burn down, and. uh, so I, I really feel like, in some ways, the ultimate message of his book was, do anything. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> do anything. It. Here's a lot of ideas. Something. So.
0: Definitely. Um, did, did anybody else find it kind of weird when he just sort of like dove into space exploration? Yeah. The book. There's like one or two chapters at the end that are like totally dedicated to how the space program needs funding <laughs> and is important. Maybe Alex knows.
2: It was a definite shift in the book, but he does mention that a lot of things have come out of space exploration, like some of the improvements to his home were from space exploration stuff, mm-hmm. like the shiny underside of his roof to reflect heat out. And I think it just harkens back to think about it. Do think about if we get out there in space and we're creating these new space technologies, they're going to come back to energy technologies. He does talk about some of the energy technologies in how we get up to space, you know, how much fuel is used. We need to come up with cheaper fuel. We need to come up with lighter fuel, lighter spacecraft. And I think It was a little jarring, but it was still a natural tie-in to the rest of the book, where it's not just about Earth, it's about everything we do on Earth, and some of the things we do on Earth is about going to space.
0: I also think that I appreciate that this book is as new as it was. You know? And I feel like it could very easily become dated in just a few years. Mm, Yeah. You know? But it's almost... The sort of goal, perhaps, of the book?
2: (laughs) Yeah, he was talking about automated taxis, and that's something that Tesla just announced this year. So either he had insider information last year, or that's really something that will become outdated soon, is that we will have automated taxis, automated transportation.
0: Yeah, I know Google's working real hard on something like that as well.
2: And I think Uber just announced that they were going to stop using Google Maps and make their own because they wanted better resolution. They wanted to know where front doors were instead of just streets. They want <laughs> to know that way when they pick people up, they can stop in front of the front door. So they're cool. investing in their own map technology.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, there was a little bit of this book, if I say a negative, in that so I listen to a lot of, like, economics podcasts and stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, so there's this interesting aspect. They're, one of the parts why I was really frustrated that he kept, like, being like, it's you guys who like liberty and stuff. You're the problem. You know, on from the economics angle, right, if you can make a system more efficient, then you should do that. Right? Mm-hmm. That's how you make money, buddy. And so there's, you know, a lot of this stuff that was kind of a negative for me is that I would heard it before, right? We discuss it all the time in economics, like really crazy ideas. I mean, like he brought it up briefly, but one of the things that's talked about in econ is how um, a lot of their their earth, it's just paved over. And he brought it up in a book. He said it was like, I think he said it was 2% of the United States was completely paved over. Yeah, I think so. It might have been four actually. But the point is is that there's this massive amount of pavement and it absorbs all the sunlight. Yeah. And then it's heating up the earth and from an econ standpoint, we look at these 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 parking lots that are a lot of them aren't even being used, right? Like oh, yeah. the vast majority of car styles are not being used at all. They're waiting to be used. They're just empty bowls, essentially. <laughs> and uh, to make matters worse, they tend to be dark. And so they're absorbing heat, heating up the air, making people's lives miserable. We have to constantly repair them, so on and so on. And um, and so I thought it was really interesting to have them talk about it. But for me, it was just like, ah, you know, I've actually heard this stuff. You know, Bill, you're kind of reach it to the choir here a little bit, man. Yeah, But then he's just like, but you're not in the choir because you're a libertarian, Garner. We're like, oh, right. <laughs> Sorry.
2: <laughs> but he did have a different angle than I'm sure most of the econs have, which is putting, making it white so that it bounces heat back.
1: Yeah, the albedo idea was definitely different. So, like, you, you are right. Some of the stuff was different.
0: Yeah. yeah, my parents are actually going to be re-roofing their house recently, and I mentioned some of uh, that talk there, and I was like, you know, he mentions how, like, having a lighter color roof not only is a little helpful for the planet on a small scale, but um, also helps
1: with some of the uh, insul- or the insulation needs, some of the heating needs. Some of the stuff I find really fascinating. I know we're kind of like on the, you know, let's beat this book down, but I just thought this was a really interesting book. So um, one of the things he didn't really explore, and I, I'm i not sure if he was like purposely tiptoeing around it, was um, one of the arguments to be made is that, you know, because we don't have to do anything right now and humans adapt to their environment and change their environment to their needs, mm-hmm. he didn't talk a lot about... Adaptation, like he, like when he said that we might have to build up big sea walls, he just made it sound like that was automatically a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. And
0: uh, he, he has this tagline both in the in the cover liner as well as in the early chapters about how we don't have to just save the earth; we have to save it for people. Yeah, and it's like, yes, but not necessarily.
1: You know, to me, it was what was funny about it is sometimes just kind of taking stabs at stodgy people who don't want to like change. Huh. And it's like, yeah, but adaptation would be like the ultimate change, right? Like if you had to just adapt to a new Earth, right? Right. You know, humans are good at that. Actually, it's actually we're really good at that. So, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure that you should automatically discount that idea. That being said, I'm not, like, some sort of crazy climate change denier. I actually think that, you know, um, like Bill, you know, if your house is on fire, you should, like, put it out. Yeah. So.
2: I don't know. He does go over it a little bit where it's not just the change. It's the rate of change. Can we adapt that fast? And is our quality of life going to stay the same? It's not just can we adapt and, you know, we're going to go back to using stone tools and nobody's going to have food, but it's can we adapt and still maintain quality of life everywhere in the world, not just for America, but third world countries too. Can we stay, keep the quality of life and even improve it with some of these newer technologies?
1: Sure. I actually think, you know, kind of the finer point there is um, people probably could adapt, but a lot of people might die Uh, If you don't, if you you know take the adaptation route, I actually played a really crazy video game that was based on climate change models and stuff, and it's this sort of game where you're gonna lose, you're gonna lose like over and over. It's called Fate of the World. Okay. And in the game, it's pretty much like charts and graphs. You play like a card game, and you try to like solve the world with various strategies. Like you can be like, I'm gonna make America use nothing but electric cars but you didn't solve the coal problem so you lose the (laughs) game anyways right and then you're gonna be like i'm gonna make america just turn off coal and then like you know they kill each other so i remember i played the game uh quite a bit and um one of the routes i tried was the adaptation route a lot of people die so so on one hand i'm like yeah you know it's, it, it just felt weird to me that he didn't talk about it very much because th- there's a whole science to that right like mm. you know back in like in the 60s and the 70s science fiction was about like arcologies biodomes oh yeah you know like essentially spaceships on earth like the idea was that you know there's going to be, like the inevitable nuclear war would happen, and we would need to have these self-sustaining <laughs> biomes, right? Right. And so it's interesting that that like discussion's gone. So. Yeah, it
0: is. There's a there's an extra layer irony in that too, because you have to consider like since the nuclear age, you know, we designed these power plants and stuff with this uh, idea of creating this renewable alternate energy source Mm -hmm. and then fantasized about the million
1: ways it will destroy us all. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, um, one of the things he talked about in the book was... um, like the insidious thing I mean, I'm going to tie this back in to sure. Alex's book from last month um, the book was Beyond Religion Beyond Religion with the Dalai Lama right uh-huh. so you could have like almost any system you want it could sound great but you're going to have this nuclear tech come out and he's going to whoop whoop and you detect a little bit of a radioactive material on them and then he's got to clean up and then, ah, there's still something there, let me see if I can find it and and Bill and I are talking about it it's these uh, radioactive fleas they call them, they didn't call it that it was a a something flea like a uranium flea, but the idea is there's just like a little speck of radioactive material on them and what happens is, and, and I know this, I actually used to do audit work for like real important stuff Flying machines. People got to fly them. I did audit work for that. And, uh, you know, what happens is is eventually you see this stuff so much. You're like, look, dude, it's just a single flea. Yeah, we're letting it go. Oh, right. Yeah, and how, like, the system could seem impenetrable. But after a while, you just sort of, like, get beaten down a little bit and start to get lax.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought Bill and I acknowledging that was really... You know drives it home like you can't just do it behaviorals you can't right. just be like oh yeah people you just need to change your mind that'll fix it
0: yeah because that's when he was talking about um changing the rods in a nuclear reactor right yeah, yeah. from one chamber to the other and how currently our methods are mostly um labor we, yeah it's really to send a guy it. in there to do it in all his jumpsuits and so when he comes out he's got to clean off and all that and because um, I think he had a couple proposals for automated versions that were okay.
1: Yeah, they you know it, it just in short, right? It's sort of funny because he talks about how um, you know he loves. We talked about this whole space section in his book. Uh, one of the things he kind of talks about is how NASA is sort of like this make-work project now that he yeah. sort of like do stuff, you know, for, with no like real intended goal in it in. And one of the things that's interesting with Bill Nye's book here is a lot of his stuff is just work. Like, you, it, you know, we could go out and do it if we were ambitious enough. Yeah. So it really spoke to me, you know, like, one of the things that I often sit here and, and I'm real cur- stodgy about is, like, when I look at today's age, I'm like, okay, you know, why was Mount Rushmore dynamited together all these years ago why don't we build any more Mount Rushmore today these guys put like a great wall in thousands of years ago where's our great wall right you know, somebody built a pyramid it looks pretty sweet where's ours right like it's up to seven world wonders and like that's enough that's enough I'm like good you know so I actually <laughs> I, I feel Bill Nye like we should do something impressive We should yeah. do something that should impress people yeah his optimism is definitely a bit infectious Yeah. I've been going on and on. What do you think? Should we build a pyramid? No. No.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We are too technologically advanced to build a pyramid. But I do agree that we need to do something that's up to scale. You know, we can't just blow up another mountain and say, that's cool because we've done it before.
1: Okay, so it's got to be cooler than mountain destruction, cooler than a wall (laughs) or a fence.
2: I think we are kind of working on it. We've done things like the Mars rovers, and that was pretty impressive. We've done things, you know, sending people into space was impressive.
0: And I have heard of some um, interesting new tech proposals to be researched or explored, like uh, this huge Kickstarter not long ago, the Solar Roadways. Did you hear about that? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I've also heard uh, of people who've designed a... um, A window pane that is a solar generator. So it's like you can see through it but it's still sapping solar energy and you know line some skyscrapers with that stuff and
1: power a good portion of the building. Oh man but you know what like Bill talks about this, about, like, how energy storage is, like, so important. Right, yeah. Like, there's all this energy out there. Like, there's so much energy out there that can be tapped. I remember once I had an idea when I was really young. I explained it to a physics teacher. But he told me that the problem was that we just can't store it. The idea was like this. Whenever you, like, go into, like, like a mall or whatever, Uh they'll have, like, those little turnstiles. They'll have, like, the spinny glass... Doors or whatever. Okay. There's spinny doors, or little turnstile that's trying to slow everybody down as they're moving into the airport or whatever. Yeah. One of ways those things are like little cranks, and mm-hmm. you could actually set them up so that they it, it would capture the a little bit of the energy from each crank. People turbines. Yes, yeah. because people are <laughs> because we're doing it anyways. Right. We could get that energy. We could recapture it. Right? It would be kind of like, you know, like, you you could even do it with, like, foot presses. Like, I I thought once of, like, you could even capture the energy of of a person's foot stepping down onto a sidewalk. Well, think of all those exercise gyms that are out there now. Yeah. those people on those
0: stationary cycles, like... Put a copper wire on it and start plugging it in. Do
1: some magnets or something because that's how it works right, or something. Yeah. I mean,
2: even if we couldn't store the energy, doing something like solar panels for the office building, it's giving the building energy during the peak time of day when they're using the most energy anyway. I think the problem is really getting it hooked up to the power grid to be able to send and receive.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've heard about this idea with like smart grids. And uh, Bill talks about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I still think that the the ability to store it is going to matter somehow. Oh, certainly. Eventually. Absolutely. But, uh, so yeah, that, that was my idea. My teacher's just like, look, you know, where we're going to put this power, buddy. Right? And uh, I was like, yeah. Yeah, all right. Okay, never mind.
0: It also reminds me, I like how Bill opens the book. Pretty early on about uh, the second law of thermodynamics. yes,
1: like, this is your enemy and it's like, yeah,
0: yeah, that's pretty much true.
1: I'm always going on about that <laughs> I, I personally feel like that's the the second law of thermodynamics is like God's law. It's like the one really doesn't break. yeah and like you can break all the other one's buddy it's all relative except for this one. don't shoot no 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 free lunch. Anyways, the book's really inspiring Yeah, so
0: overall review time, right? Yeah yeah. I like this I thought it was pretty inspiring And very educational
1: And? Yeah, I felt you know It was a pretty cool book I feel like my The only thing My only criticism was Is that if you're already really hip To a lot you know, emerging technologies or whatever, because maybe you're on like some sort of like technology podcast feed or whatever. Um, some of the stuff will be stuff you have heard of before, yeah. And so that's my my only real criticism. Otherwise, I actually think it's a great book.
2: Yep, yeah, I agree. There's, I think there's a lot of big think kind of things. There's a lot of big ideas. There's a lot of small ideas. And like I said in the beginning, he goes over everything from economics to the cultural aspect and changing people's minds and how we're gonna fix it.
0: Well, that's just our opinion. You're free to tell us yours, audience. Go ahead and write it in the comment below. Yeah. And uh, now we've all had our turn picking a book, and so it's time to start round two. We had a very loose non-fiction theme the last time, and I know we just discussed it, but my cottage cheese brain has already forgotten. Did we pick a theme for our next round?
2: Nope. We're just no. Do... We're just doing
0: non theme
1: we're, we're going we're gonna to put out a smorgasbord of books and then All right. we're going to choose from the books.
0: So we're still going to, uh, each of us are going to make a list of books that the other people will choose from. But the person presenting the list is determined by a roll of the dice. And so we'll roll the dice today and then in post I will let you guys know so that you don't have to wait what book we're going to be picking.
1: Alright. I have dice. We have dice. I have a d10 here. Alright, we'll use a d10. So I think that we should just let the highest roll be the person who presents their list.
0: Alright, sounds good. Give us that roll, Garner. It's finally
1: your day. This is it. I rolled a one. Oh, boy. (laughs) One. (laughs) Let's go for
0: one number three.
1: Oh, I got a five. All right. I get two in a row.
0: How about that? I guess I'm starting round two.
1: So you need to put together a list, bro.
0: I'll put together a list and we'll decide it. And you will know the title right now. Our next book title will be Snow Crash by author Neil Stevenson. So I hope you join us next time on Book Bash. We've had fun and we'll see you then. Thanks again for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed. Sound effects provided by the F Sound Band and music provided by Ben Sound. Want to tell us what you thought of our review in the comments, and join us next time on
2: Book Bash.